Well, it's always great to get a chance to visit with Sam Mays joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and Sam, of course, formerly of the Oklahoma State Cowboys and now afternoon drive on 107.7, the franchise in OKC in Tulsa and also the host of the Sam Mays podcast. And before we start talking some Big 12 with Sam, please, guys, take a moment out, leave us that rating, review, subscribe to the podcast, and we have a new batch of Heartland College Sports Koozies to send to you to keep that beer cold as you're watching games this fall. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will get you that koozie. In the mail. So appreciate that a whole lot. It helps tremendously with the growth of this show. And let's get it going. Uh, Sam, we've made it to the end of August. It looks like they're going to be college football. What's the likelihood we get through this season unscathed, Sam? Get through the season is is probably a, a different conversation to, to have for sure. I mean, I, I don't know what that looks like. Obviously, COVID-19 is uh, an extremely contagious virus. I mean, we've seen how it's worked in Major League Baseball. Um, you would assume with just with more players on each team in college football that it would be, uh, you know, there's going to be a team or two that is, you know, ended their their season might be ended completely from this. Uh, it could be catastrophic for them if they get 30 or 40 guys in a week that have COVID. Well, then they can't field a, you know, a, a team. So I would assume that you might not see some individual teams finish. But man, I think the Big 12 SEC and and you know the ACC are really bound and determined to get this thing done. And the reality is, Pete, I don't know that they're necessarily wrong for feeling that way. Uh, you know, the safest thing to do would, at this point for everybody would be to go in their homes, shut the doors, and never come out until this thing is settled down enough that we could do those things. The reality is that was never going to happen here in the United States, and it's not going to happen now. Uh, people's constitutional rights allow them to be idiots. So here we are. And I think that we're going to have to just find a way to live with this thing. So I, I would say... Like Lincoln Riley yesterday comes out in his press conference and says, well, I've got a whole position group that's got it. And, you know, he said it casually. He said it um, relaxed, and it was just very matter-of-fact, and, and it's, we have to just find a way to adapt. And mm -hmm. I get it. I absolutely get it because that's just, the, just how this thing is going to go. You're going to just have to find a way to adapt and push through. So on that note then, Sam, how surprised were you in hindsight that um, you know, the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC didn't follow the Big 10 and the Pac-12 to canceling the season because I think the Big 10 and the Pac-12 just thought everybody else would fall in line, and they didn't. Right. Yeah, no, I, I was pretty blown away by uh, the Big 10 and Pac-12's uh, mindset with that whole deal. I, I can't imagine what those meetings sounded like. I mean, and, and the crazy thing about it, Pete, is, you know, you heard – after they canceled, you heard two or three days later that they were finally sitting down and having conversations about, you know, what a spring season looks like. And in my brain, I'm thinking, bro, it's, it's August. What do you mean you're now sitting down to think what a spring season looks like? Like here in Oklahoma, we've heard, and Joe Castiglione has been fantastic uh, keeping us updated with what's going on. I mean, they, they had A plan, B plan, C plan, and D plan uh, in place in April, May, mm -hmm. June, trying to figure out what all this stuff uh, looks like it just seems like the Big Ten's whole mindset was, and Pac-12's whole mindset was to just sit, wait, see what happens with COVID. Uh, if it doesn't look safe, then to cancel the season. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think they were a little bit shell shocked when they realized that not everybody in the country felt the same way. There are millions of people impacted financially by collegiate athletics, just not the universities, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I think that uh, if you're going to cancel football this year, you might as well cancel for the next two years because COVID is not 
going to just be eradicated because even if a a uh, a you know antivirus or a vaccine does come out, it's going to take time to even get that to people. Yeah. So it just seems like you're going to either prepare to play now, right, and figure it out, uh, or not. And it just seems like the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve have just said, you know what, we're going to have to just proceed in the best in the safest way possible. And clearly, the players have something on the line here, whether it's just their education they're concerned about or uh, the next level stuff, I mean, it's worth taking a risk. And, and the reality is, Pete, they're probably safer on campus worried about football than they would be if they were on campus not worried about football or at home not doing anything. Well, then that's where, Sam, I want to get your perspective here, too, as a guy that was an All-American in Oklahoma State. I mean, I, I understand, uh, you know, some people may be very cautious. We all should be cautious about what's happening right now. But think about OU. I mean, you know, they let the guys go home. They bring them back, and nine guys test positive. Now, for guys that age, it's probably not going to be all that bad. But still, I think that bubble atmosphere that you can create uh, on campus and then allow these guys to build their skills and then possibly make millions at the next level seems to me like the way a lot of them want to go versus uh, the guys that are opting out, which appear to be few and far between. As a former player, how would you be weighing that? And in your discussions with guys, what is that conversation like? You know, for me, the opt-out would have only come after my junior season if someone would have told me that I was a high second-round or low first-round pick. Yeah. You know, at that at that point, that I'm, it's a guarantee I'm going to get drafted, and, and what I'm going to do with that time is I'm going to sign with an agent, and I'm going to move to some secluded area, and I'm just going to work my tail off for yep. the next year, right, and get ready for the NFL draft. That makes sense to me. If you told me the top, you know, 40, 50 players in the country decided to opt out at this point, all that would make uh, sense to me uh, outside of that i mean i'm i'm still going to work i'm still absolutely you know getting on the football field and working on my trade we we don't have 80 games a season we don't have uh you know uh, a baseball season that gives you 100 opportunities we might get 100 you're lucky to get 100 opportunities in this game right you just are so mm-hmm. to miss a season or potentially and potentially not get it back or or miss a season or play partial season you know like you, you just do whatever it takes to get on the football field and and get it done. This would have been a no-brainer for me and my family that I would have competed. Um, because, like I said, if I was 20 years old and on campus without football, I'm getting COVID. There's no question about it. Yeah. I 100% am going to get COVID. At 20 years old with football focused on a season, I'm going to do everything in my power not to. So uh, I, I think there, I think there's safety in the fact these kids have something to work towards. No doubt about it. Sam May is joining us, of course, uh, 107.7 The Franchise, Oklahoma City and Tulsa, the host of the Sam Mays podcast. So, Sam, on on that note then, um, as we look at Kennedy Brooks, Oklahoma's uh, leading running back, he decides to opt out. Was that a case of a guy that's a, a you know first or second round draft pick just saying, I'm going to save my legs and save my carries for the next level? Was that health-driven? Because that one, uh, that one surprised me. Yeah, I was a little taken back by that, but I had a colleague of mine kind of really shape the picture up nicely when you think about it. Kennedy Brooks from a, this kid has got Le'Veon Bell type running ability as far as his vision, right? He is Mm -hmm. absolutely incredible behind the line of scrimmage. He understands the blocking schemes of his offensive linemen. I think he even understands some of the limitations of individual linemen when you watch him run, giving guys a little extra time, depending on what side the ball is going to. Like he is brilliant at hitting the hole and and being exactly where he needs to be uh, throughout the course of a play. The questions that we have about Kennedy Brooks are what is overall athleticism. So if I'm, if you've got film like Kennedy Brooks, he the reason that Chuba Hubbard didn't get drafted high last year 
was because he doesn't have the skill set that Kennedy Brooks does, right? Mm-hmm. You give Chuba Hubbard Kennedy Brooks skill set, and Chuba Hubbard's a top 10 pick last year, top 15 pick last season. Kennedy Brooks needs to take a year and train because his combine is going to define him more than any of the, the film already says he's a great football player. Like I've watched him run. I'm thinking, man, I could block that. I would love to block for that kid because he gets it. He understands it. And he's patient in the backfield. But what we don't know is how well he's going to test. So it's whether it's a health situation for him and he's just concerned about COVID and which is completely okay. We respect people's opinion, you know, how they feel about this thing is everybody is handling it differently. Um, or he's looking at the writing on the wall, and this is this is where my brain went with it. It was just like he's going to go get, become a better athlete. Yeah. And and I think uh, you know a combine where he is now running a four four, you know, a low four four because he's trained himself to get there uh, would help him out substantially here because I think we all know the kind of runner that he is. Mm-hmm. Sam Mays is joining us. All right, Sam, let's talk about on the field. I mean, I. I you know, I think we all agree it's OU's conference until somebody proves otherwise. But if you're looking around this conference right now, is it Iowa State? Is it Oklahoma State? Is it Texas? Who's that team that, that you can make the best case for uh, taking the mantle away atop the Big 12 uh, from the Oklahoma Sooners this fall? Man, let me tell you something. I am so excited about this conference. I feel like a year ago they took the necessary steps to get to pull that Band-Aid off uh, to, to kind of get right, right? I thought you saw... Uh, when Bob Stoops and, and Mac Brown, everybody kind of followed suit with what Mike Leach was doing because Leach was beating teams that he shouldn't beat. The Big 12 really took a massive hit as far as the caliber of player that was coming to this league and the style of football, which is not conducive to winning championships. Like now this blend that you're getting uh, out of Oklahoma, this blend that you're getting out of a lot of offenses in this league is one, bringing big-time offensive players to this league, but it's also allowing true defenders to consider the Big 12 again, right? You're looking at four-star, five-star players looking towards Oklahoma, looking towards Texas, because now they're, they're playing a brand of football where you are going to see a power run game in this league a couple of times, right? At mm-hmm. least a few times. You are going to see, uh, and there's a look, there's, I mean, heck, more than a few times, there's a bunch of run-first teams in this league now compared to what there were five years ago. It's crazy to think that. So now with defenders coming back to the league, uh, you're going to see defensive players drafted for the first time in a long time out of the Big 12, which is exciting. You know, I, I think that you, you really have to pay attention to you know, it's like you mentioned, Iowa State with balance in the run game with a quarterback that's pretty good. We don't know squat about Texas Tech and what Matt Wells is going to do. He didn't have a chance last year, yeah. right? We, we have no earthly idea what he's going to do with Bowman uh, back and potentially healthy throwing the football down the field. I still like Baylor, right? Baylor's the toughest team in college football a year ago, literally. Yeah. Like, there was not a tougher team in college football. They got themselves into the top 10, and people were like, oh, the, Matt Rule left, so what, they're going to just fall completely off? Charlie Brewer might be the best football player in this conference. Is he the best athlete? No. Is he an NFL player? No. But as far as just being a football player, right, it's him and, and Sam Ellinger, as far as guys that just whatever it takes laid on the line. So I'm not going to look at Charlie Brewer and say, oh, yeah, your coach left, so all of a sudden that your, your leadership is not going to be followed. Like th- that team is tough, still tough and still brings back a pretty decent little defense uh, and a quarterback. So – um, you know, if I had to guess, you know, it's, it's probably a, a Baylor or even a, uh, a Texas Tech that surprises some people and beats some teams that they shouldn't. At the top of this thing, I think it's Oklahoma's conference to lose for sure. Uh, the Cowboys with missing a couple of offensive linemen, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, that looks like they have gone from a chance to win all 10 games this year to maybe just winning eight of those games. I mean, Oklahoma doesn't have the depth on the offensive line to lose two guys, two starters uh, in an offseason. Like, that's, it, that's a catastrophic situation 
for the Cowboys, even with all the skilled players that they have. I can't imagine they're going to be able to survive that. And then there's Texas, you know, and, and you know this just as well as I do, Pete. We have no earthly idea uh, what they're going to look like on any given season because if there's anything that Tom Herman has failed to do, it's find an identity. Texas still has zero – they haven't had an identity since Mac Brown left. And it is – it's a, 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 unbelievable to me that we are still looking at a Texas football team that doesn't know who they are. And until they figure that out, they're going to be what they, they've been the last couple of seasons, you know, in some games and out of some games. And uh, I don't know that this is going to be the year for Tom Herman to figure it out this season either. Now, on that note, when you say the identity there, Sam, what are you, what are you looking for in particular when you say what does Texas need to be identified by? Is it the stylistic offense? Is it what they're doing on defense? What, what can define this Texas team or, or could define this Texas team going forward? You ready for some, this is some old football player stuff here. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the, the intangibles, right? This is the, um, the stuff that you can't see in the stat sheet. This is um, the heartbeat of that football team. And as a, as a 20-year-old or 19-year-old uh, kid at Oklahoma State, when Texas came to Stillwater, we, we used to have the ramps there would cross, right? So you could see the teams uh, taking the field, and we would cross each other in the middle. And the fans couldn't see this, but there was always an interaction between teams and each other, right, between that gate. Texas was the only team that did not engage us at all. And they had this chant where they would, everyone in unison would say this to this chant about being from Texas and Texas boys and Texas football. And, you know, Casey stuttered in this group. They would come out, they carry that American flag, and they were bigger than life, physically and mentally. And it was just this style of just raw, in-your-face, we're just better than you, but we're going to beat the, you know, just the crap out of you situation uh, at a Longhorn football that just as they had success, you know, after Vince Young and, and like I said, leads started beating some people. They got, it just got kind of dissipated. It got soft. It went away. You know, I think the loss of the great running back, the great Texas running back with the Longhorns uh, and great offensive lines has, has just killed them. And so now there's just no real, like, I don't know who they are. Like Oklahoma, I know what Lincoln Riley's about. He's a, he's a 49% passer. He's a 51% runner. And he's got an offensive line that is going to eat dimes and crap out nails. It's a mm-hmm. guarantee. They're going to be physical at the point of attack. He's going to throw the football down the field. And there's just this overall culture of toughness around Oklahoma football that has not been there, you know, consistently over the last decade. And it is finally back and it is terrifying, right? Texas just doesn't, they don't, they don't have it. They don't have it in the warmups. They don't have it when they get off the bus. Like, I look at this team, and I'm like, here, here come the Longhorns. I recognize you from your jersey, but I don't recognize you in any other way. And until they find a way to, to get that back, like, I, I said this last year. They should fire Herman, go down there and hire one of those high school coaches that's been doing it for 40 years, and let him bring back Texas football. Because it, it's just missing the state, right? It's like, that's, that's Longhorn football, but they forgot what state they play in. It's crazy to me. No doubt about it. Sam Mays is joining us here on the show Always great to get his perspective. And, uh, Sam, I'm looking forward to the season. I hope we get this whole thing in, man, because if not, I know it's going to be uh, lean for many of us in this in this line of work in terms of what we're talking about and what's going on. So I know our fingers are crossed, and we'll talk to you as the season goes on, man. Thanks so much for joining us and being here. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Love it with Sam Mays as he's joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Please take a moment out before you close out. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps tremendously. It really does. 
and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return if you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.